Wow, how amazing to be led in worship by our children, right, church? If we haven't met, my name is Sam McLaughlin, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bellmead, and I would love the chance to meet you on your way out today. We want to say a welcome to our guest online again. You are a part of Bellmead, and we're so glad you're here to worship today. We are on the second Sunday of Advent, and some of us have traveled through Advent many times before, and some of us are new to this season. This is a season in which we watch and wait. We long for Jesus to break into our world yet again. We're on the second Sunday of our sermon series called Peace on Earth, which we're talking about how to cultivate that quiet center that dwells within us, that place that we can retreat to when the world around us is fretful and fearful. We're singing those lyrics, let me be peace on earth and let it begin in me. So we're asking how might we, as Jesus followers, be people of peace in a world full of people under pressure? In this season, how might we slow down and save our life and connect with Christ? Last week, we began our stories with Zachariah and Elizabeth. We're told that they were an old, righteous couple, and they were gifted the surprise, the birth of a son named John. We're told in the prophecies that John would be a joy and a delight, that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit, excited to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Today in our scripture passage, you heard the author of the book of Mark draws upon Isaiah 40, sort of letting us know that he believes John is the fulfillment of that ancient scripture that finally, after years of exile and the bleakness of Israel's condition, God was coming. It says, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way, a voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. We're also told that that preparation, pre preparation was about a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So as people heard John's message and were convicted, they went out to the Jordan River and were baptized by him. But John continued to say, look, I baptize you with water, but Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This week, as I prayed over this scripture, I kept hearing this one phrase, make straight paths for him. Sometimes in the church, when we talk about sin, we talk about it, uh, we define it really as missing the mark. We're missing the intended mark of our thoughts and our actions. Sometimes we have a visual with that, like you're shooting an arrow at a bullseye, but the arrow keeps missing the mark. Well, as I heard, make straight paths for him. I kept thinking, this is another visual for us. There is a path that we are trying to walk with God and our sin causes us to veer off the path. Sometimes we sort of like, go into the woods, over the river and through the woods, right? And we find ourselves so deviated from this path that we want to live on. So in that way, repentance is a way to find ourselves back on the right path, to course correct. 
Sometimes our paths are uh, cluttered. They're covered with things that we think are significant but aren't actually significant in the, in the kingdom of God. They're cluttered with our material possessions and our stuff. And so repentance, we could say, is a way of pushing those things aside to see that path of peace. As I was thinking about repentance this week, I came across a story from Father Richard Rohr. He talks about the Truth and Reconciliation Project that took place in South Africa. Some of you have perhaps heard about this project. It was created to investigate the human rights violations that took place during the period of apartheid in South Africa. Uh, apartheid dictated where South Africans based on the color of their skin could live and work, the type of education they could receive, whether they could vote. And during this period, there were also killings and tortures and abductions because of people's prejudice. So this project was intended to actually bring perpetrators and victims together. So in this scene that Richard Rohr is explaining, there's this miscommunication that happens between the perpetrators and the victims because of the translator. The perpetrators say to the victims, I am sorry, forgive me. I'm taking responsibility for what I did or what was done at my command or in my name. But what the victims heard was I ask for peace. Now, the difference is that in the English, I'm sorry, forgive me, wraps the plea in the logic of the individual. It says, if you're saying, set me free from the guilt and the shame that I hold from these actions, decide to wipe this debt slate clean for me. I ask for peace was heard in the spirit of Ubuntu. And Ubuntu is a South African principle that focuses on our shared humanity. It is always about we. And so in this situation, I ask for peace meant that forgiveness was gonna be a space to plant seeds for a better future for the whole community. And it meant that the perpetrators would move beyond just verbal apologies to sincere action and reparations for past harm. So the victims described it this way, without reparations, I am sorry, forgive me, ask the victims to take an eraser and erase everything that happened. It releases people from their guilt, but it doesn't change the systems that created the situation in the first place. They said reparations, that makes a new place for us to gather. That reveals what it takes for everyone to be healed and everyone to step into God's new creation. When I read that, I thought, I think the same is true for us, that often we tend to be self-focused when we think about forgiveness, but this offers us a reorientation Forgiveness can be a communal experience and it still includes that individually we can be made whole and healed even if we're the one who did a wrong. Forgiveness means that we're willing to move beyond our verbal apologies and offer repair and change our behaviors. 
Apartheid itself actually means apartness. So you can see it moving away from that path. <laughs> I ask for peace is togetherness, wholeness. We are all moving in the same direction. Another way to say it is repentance is a way to make peace with ourselves and God and others. Now, it's one thing to have the ideal of Ubuntu, peace, of heavenly peace. It's another to put it into practice. Why, do, why is forgiveness so hard for us? One reason, I think, is that forgiveness demands that we be real about ourselves. You and I can be truly sorry for something that we have done to a loved one, but if we continue to do it over and over again, it's, there's a good chance it's connected to something deeper in our lives. So to really create change, we have to investigate. Perhaps there is a past wound or trauma that contributes to my behavior. Perhaps I learned my behavior from my nuclear family. It's how I survived or it's how I learned to negotiate my world. Perhaps that behavior is my coping mechanism or my escape hatch. So forgiveness is hard because it requires internal work so that we do not inflict the same harm over and over again. Forgiveness is hard because sometimes we are not given the luxury of the acknowledgement of injury. We are not given the request for forgiveness. This week I was talking to a, a therapist friend about this idea of can you forgive someone even if they haven't acknowledged their wrong, even if they haven't come to you and, and sought to apologize or make amends. She said, of all these people that have watched over my 30 years of being a therapist, I would tell you that it's not only possible, it's necessary. I was thinking about that in relation to the Psalms. Over and over again, we read about how sin actually eats away at us. The, the words they use are they waste away our bones. And so how might we in certain situations, even if someone doesn't apologize or come to us, choose our own peace, choose our freedom, choose to live beyond the pain that they have inflicted? Forgiveness is hard because we often talk about it as one act and one moment, where truthfully, in some cases, we have to offer it over and over again, especially in long-term relationships with people. I think about the story from Matthew where Peter comes to Jesus and says, how many times should I forgive my brother? Maybe seven, seven's good, right, Jesus? And Jesus says, how about seven times 70? Sometimes forgiveness takes a long time and it's a process. I wanna say that perhaps one of the biggest reasons I perceive that forgiveness is so hard for us, particularly when we're trying to forgive ourselves, is that we do not know how to differentiate between guilt and shame. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I'm a bad person. 
Shame takes on an identity other than the one God intended us to have. If we understand guilt, then we can be convicted by it. It can help us. We can learn empathy and compassion. We can learn to say that this thing that I said or I did was wrong, but that doesn't make me at my core a bad person. And you know, I have to say that in our culture, I don't think it's hard to feel shame. We're entrenched in things like comparison and envy, which makes us feel shame for who we are not. We are good at spinning the wheels of shame. But that is not the identity that God gave us. You've heard me say it, I'm gonna say it over and over again. God created you and called you good and God created you without shame. And so we could say that repentance actually restores our humanity. It restores our identity as a child of God. And in the context of Ubuntu, it reminds us that we were at one time God's brand new creation, and we have the capacity to be made new over and over again. And to me, that is the good news that John the Baptist is saying today. I will baptize you with water, but Jesus Christ is gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a change agent. The Holy Spirit allows you to change your behavior and be transformed as it lives inside of you and leads and guides and comforts, refines, empowers, and forgives. The Spirit allows you to shed your shame. The Spirit leads you back to the path of peace and shows you how to live in step with God. And so today, as you come to this table of grace and forgiveness, you are receiving not only a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of the sins that you confess, but also the Spirit of God who walks you in the way that leads to life, not just for your sake, but for the sake of the whole. Thanks be to God. Amen.